I was. I was going to help you. I was going to help you there. That's okay. That's all right. All right. That was a, that was a beautiful song. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. One of these days, uh, yeah, we're going to be able to see that. The city that's going to come down, we're going to be able to be by that uh, you know, stream of life, uh, you know, the river of life. Uh, you know, that is, uh, you know, mm, that's special. Uh, today we're uh, still in Jonah. We're looking at Jonah chapter 2. We're going to do all of chapter 2 of Jonah. Uh, chapter 2 of Jonah is his prayer. And, uh, and I think it's really interesting, uh, you know, because before we can actually get in, before we actually get into his prayer, I want to talk to you about something, uh, you, know, uh, you know, this morning, because there is a value judgment that we have to make. Uh, you know, the uh, city that Violet just prayed about, is that worth more to you than all of the things of this world? And if it is, then all the judgments that we make in our lives go along with that. So I'll give you a little story as a for instance. Uh, you know, Peggy and I had the privilege of going to three graduations this year. Uh, you know, and the one that we went to, there was one that was in uh, Charlotte. It was uh, River Rock High School, Rocky River, River Rock High School. I, I like, okay, I even have it, Rocky River, uh, Rocky River High School. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, so we were there and it was interesting because all of the graduations in Rock Hill, you had to be very quiet. Y'all know that it had to be quiet. Went to Charlotte, and it was a celebration. I mean, as soon as the graduates came walking in, the graduates were jumping up and down, shouting and screaming, and the parents was hollering out their names. It was a celebration. They had, they had made it to this point. But then the principal gets up, and the principal gives this wonderful speech. And I think I've mentioned it to y'all once before. This is the speech about the young man that his dad gave him a rock. And his dad told him, he said, okay, he said, I want you to go to the market. And he said, if anyone is interested in this rock, I don't want you to say anything. I just simply want you to hold up two fingers. So the young man, he goes to the market and, uh, you know, there's somebody that's interested in the rock. So he's standing there and he's, he holds up two fingers. Man gives him $20 for that rock. He came back so excited. Dad, look, I got $20 for the rock. Dad gave him another rock. And he said, okay, son. He says, I want you to go this time. I want you to go to this antique auction. So he takes the rock and he goes back and he goes to the antique auction. And he says, son, whenever you're there, he said, remember, don't say a word if somebody's interested in it. Just simply hold up two fingers. So he gets there, somebody, there's people that's interested in the rock, and he holds up two fingers. A man gave him $200 for the rock. Man, he was really excited, so he brings it home, and he says, Dad, look at this, $200 for this rock. So the dad said, okay, son, he said, tomorrow, he said, I want you to take this rock, and he says, I want you to go to the jeweler's auction. So he takes it to the jeweler's auction. And he's standing there, and all of a sudden, this man comes up, and he's really interested in the rock. So he holds up two fingers. The man gave him $2,000 for the rock. Now, the thing about it is, is that, uh, you know, whenever we look at this and we hear this, the value is in the eye of the one that wants it. 
How many of you have ever heard the saying about a salesperson that he can sell ice to a man in an, in an igloo? Y'all have heard that? I don't know. The Eskimo, he has plenty of ice. He might not want that ice. He might want some fire. Where is your value? We look at this world that we live in and we can see the value of people. We can see the value of this world. After all, every decision that is made in government has a value on it, right? Unfortunately, our congressmen are up there and they're like, okay, is this going to be a better value for me or should I just simply do it for the people? Which way are they going to go? This is a better value for me. We do it every single day. How many of you have Verizon as your cell phone carrier? There's a value judgment. What about AT&T? I don't have AT&T. That's a value judgment. You have picked Verizon or AT&T because of the coverage area that they promise you and because of the internet access that they tell you that you can get for the money that you spend. The vehicle that you've owned is a value judgment. The people you hang around with is a value judgment. I know, y'all have to hang around me anyway. It's a value judgment. Our walk with Jesus Christ is a valued judgment. Back in chapter 1 of Jonah, right there at verse 16, the sailors were saved. They offered up a sacrifice because God was a greater value than all the other gods that they had been praying to. Why was he a greater value? Because he's the one that calmed the storm. Not all the others. Jonah. Jonah didn't choose God. Jonah could have repented at the same time that the sailors repented. And God would have calmed the seas and you know, turned the ship around and taken Jonah right back to the port in Joppa. And then Jonah could have went to Nineveh. And preach the message. But he didn't. Why didn't Jonah repent at that point in time? Was the value of God not there just yet? I think it was the value of Jonah. Wasn't there yet. Because although Jonah knew. That he was the one that created. Or the reason why this storm came about. Because he was running from God. He also knew the power and the glory and the mercy of God because he had preached about it once before and seen God's mercy poured out upon the Israelites. But Jonah was running from him. Sometimes we say that it's a lot of water. There's a lot of water that's ran underneath the bridge. There's a lot of water that went up underneath that boat. We don't really know why Jonah didn't repent at that time. But we can kind of get this understanding that Maybe Jonah thought that he could still get away from God if they would just simply throw him off into the ocean. It could be that Jonah was like, man, you know, I am so bad that God won't receive me. Have we ever been there? I cannot believe that God would really forgive me for the sins that I have committed. Hmm. Jonah chapter 1 ends with the fish coming and getting Jonah. Jonah's salvation, so to be. Chapter 2 of Jonah, it begins with Jonah is praying inside the belly of the fish. Let me help you out here. Because whenever they threw Jonah over the edge of the boat, the water calmed. The fish didn't come and swallow up Jonah. 
Jonah swam around for a little bit. We don't know how long Jonah was in the water before the fish came and got him. But we know that Jonah was not on the top of the water when the fish came and got him. Jonah was down in the deeps, in the depths of the sea. And the bars of the grave was about to close in on him. He was almost dead. He had almost taken his last breath. And then here comes along the fish and saves Jonah. What is it going to take for you to get to your end to where God is a greater value than anything that you can ever do for yourself? Let's look at it. Twice in this passage of scripture we see it. In, verse, in chapter 1, Jonah tells the sailors to save yourself, throw me overboard. The sailors start rowing the boat. They're like, oh no, that's not it. We think we can make it to the shore. Let us row a little bit harder. A struggle comes in our life. God begins to convict us and God begins to draw us unto Him. And we say, oh no, I think I can still make it out of this. We make a bad decision. Oh no, God, I think I can make it out of this. And we work and we work and we work. And most of the time, the more we work, the worse it gets, right? That's the way the storm was. The more they worked, the more they prayed to their gods, the more they threw overboard, the worse the storm got. Jonah, throw me overboard. I'll be able to swim to the shore. <laughs> How many of us have ever been thrown overboard? We all hear those stories about, you know, your dad's teaching you how to swim by throwing you in and saying, sink or swim, right? Sink or swim. The thing about it is, is that God has to allow us to get to our very depths before we can turn loose and really hold on to Him. Because if not, we will always question on whether or not I could have done this. What is it going to take for us to give up everything that we have so that we can get the best that God has to offer us, which is better than anything that we can ever imagine. Thank you. Which is better than anything that we can ever imagine. Talking about a celestial city coming down you know, to this earth that has gates, uh, you know, that's a pearl. And it has, the, you know, the, the streets are pure gold. You know what's interesting about pure gold is? It's not very hard. You could leave your feet imprints in it. Whoo! Size ten and a half. The things that we have in this life is better. Or the things that we have in this life is nothing compared to the things that God has for us. See, Jonah cries out in the depths. And whenever we find that Jonah cries out in the depths, Jonah gives us this understanding that our thankfulness shows us how deprived we truly are. Now, whenever I'm talking about deprive or depravity, I'm talking about how lost we are. We have to understand that there is absolutely nothing that we can do for ourselves that will save us. There's nothing that we can say. There's nothing that I can physically do that will save me. Reading a book last night. I do read books occasionally. He loves me. He loves me not. We have to get to a point that we understand that God loves us 
regardless of what we do and regardless of who we are. It's not a flower that we pick and we say, he loves me, he loves me not. He doesn't want us to read our Bibles anymore. He doesn't want us to pray longer or pray harder. He wants us to trust in him. He doesn't want you to go to church more. He wants you to trust him. But we can't make that judgment until we figure out that I am absolutely, totally lost if it wasn't for him. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ dying on this earth, being rose from the grave after three days, that I would ever have the opportunity to have a relationship with God Almighty. That is the only reason. It's not my good looks. It's not that we're dressed properly. It's not the haircut. I used to think that if I ever got glasses, I'd look smart. See, I just, I just, wanted, to, I just wanted to look smart. That's all that was. I faked so many eye exams in school, wanting to get glasses so that I would look smart. I got out of school and I had to wear glasses. I don't care if I look smart now. We have to come to our end before God will ever do anything. Jonah's thankfulness shows us or helps us realize our depravity. Jonah's prayer of thanksgiving and that thankfulness, it helps us to make a commitment. To make a commitment. Because there again, if we're not all the way at our depths, if we're not all the way at our end, it's very easy to renege on that commitment. Renege's a real word, right? Renege. Okay. I didn't check speller. I didn't do spell check. To renege on what we tell God that we want to do. The sailors made a vow. I'm telling you, if the sailors thought, if there was an ounce of thought within them, that they would have been able to make it to the shore and lived, and lived, they would have taken back those vows. Because the value of heaven wasn't worth it. The value of salvation wasn't worth giving it up. The thing about this and about making this commitment is, is that there's time after time after time in our lives that we make the commitment and then we renege. Why do we renege on it? Why do we give it back? Or, or why do we stop doing what God has asked us to do and what we have vowed and committed to do? Because of all the flashy things that Satan puts up in our lives. You know, we hear the songs. We read the scripture that talks about heaven. We understand or we think we understand what heaven's going to be like. How many of you think that heaven's going to be this big fishing pond and every time you put your rod out there that you're going to have a fish? No. I used to think that it was a basketball court and I never missed a shot, never lost a game. I'd be heaven, wouldn't it? Then I thought it was a beautiful golf course where time after time I hit the perfect shot. Now I have this picture of the Grand Canyon in perfect harmony with God. And his light shining on the other side. And how beautiful that will be. I think about the streets of gold. Oh, wow. What about a crystal sea? Have you ever seen something like that? My daughter's name's Crystal. Partly because of the crystal sea, but also because I wanted to call her Crystal Page. I didn't get the page part. But the crystal sea. The light of Jesus Christ shimmering off of that. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. But pastor, that's 
That's way over there. That's not where I'm at right now. Pastor, what do I get right now? That tells me that making a decision to follow Jesus Christ is more valuable than anything in this world. It's because when you breathe your last, that's where you'll be. It's because of all the struggles that we ever face in this life. Jesus Christ is right there walking with us. And if you don't have him, you're all by yourself. You're alone, hopeless. With Jesus Christ, you have hope. With Jesus Christ, you have peace. With Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with the one that created you and everything around you. He is more valuable than anything we could ever imagine. Ask Dean Williams. Ask Darren Rollins. Whenever he was in the ambulance and they had to revive him. Died twice. That was Saturday, wasn't it? Huh? Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. His heart stopped beating twice. God is more valuable than anything on this earth. And whenever we understand it, our commitment to him sticks. It's just like the Ten Commandments that's written in stone. I'm going to tell this story to this, you know, to this afternoon in Vicky's funeral. Billy Wayne told me about Vicky receiving Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. How she came into church that morning and she told, she, she told Billy, she said, Billy, I'm not leaving this place with the devil still on my back. And he said, you don't have to. And she made it down to the altar before church even started. And her and Vicky fight, prayed, and received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Vicky never turned back. Every step that she made for the rest of her life was for Jesus Christ. Any time that you needed somebody to put hot dogs in a hot dog bun for a picnic, Vicki Lambert was there. Any time that you needed somebody to stir a hot pot or to clean a pot in the kitchen, Vicki Lambert was there. Any time that the needs closet that was full of clothes, anybody needed it or it was open, Vicki Lambert was there. Whenever we understand the value of our decision to follow Jesus Christ, we understand the commitment that we make and we are able to live a committed life to Jesus Christ the thank the thankfulness helps us to live a sacrificial life there again it's that value I understand what God gave up for me I understand that he sent his only son to bring me up out of the depths here I was Floundering around in this life, and seaweed was wrapped on my head, pulling me under to where I breathe no more. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, I can now live a life with God Almighty. Because of that sacrifice, we all know that we don't have to do animal sacrifices anymore, right? You know that we don't have to go get a sheep or a goat or get a dove or anything like that and sacrifice it because Jesus Christ was that perfect sacrifice but Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 that our lives are a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing unto God that every step that we make everything that we do we do it for Jesus Christ 
How does that look? How does that operate? That the energy that we have, we give it to God. The money that we have, we give it to God. The health that we have, we give it to God. The breath that He gives to us, we give it to God. Every single thing that we have and every single thing that we do is sacrificed to God. If we're not truly thankful for what He has done for us, I'm pretty sure that we wouldn't sacrifice our lives for it. This looks similar to the fact that I had a pastor that told me one day, you know, he said, John, he said, you know, we were talking about hours that pastors put in. And he says, John, he says, if you have a member of your church that works 40 hours a week and then they come in and they volunteer for five hours during that week, he says, you have to work 10 hours for that five hours of them volunteering. So you get it? 10 hours for their five hours. I'm like, huh. I'm like, that doesn't work. There's not enough time in the day. He's like, John, there's really not. He said, that's why pastors never stop working. On your day off, what do I do? I think and I pray about y'all. And I get to go to lovely, lovely, uh, you know, dinners like we had Friday. I have with me this morning. Oh, look, there's a bunch over there. You got some over here. There's some there. If you're not a member of the Ooga Booga Club, you really don't want to be. The Ooga Booga Club is part of our compassionate ministries group that deals with cancer. That's someone in their life or them, have had cancer, or has cancer. Booga Booga Club. Now, I explained to them that we're not a private society. We're open. Whoever has cancer can come into it. So we're okay with the Church of the Nazarene. It's okay to be part of the Ooga Booga Club, if you really want to be. But we had a great time. To me, that was not working. We had laughter. We had tears. We had the hair stand up on the back of our necks and on our arms whenever Larry introduced, you know, was talking about the Holy Spirit moving. Larry, I thank you. Larry gave me an explanation of what happened to Darren that really kind of slipped my mind. Larry, can I explain that for him? So we all know that Darren has cancer, has leukemia. He went in for his first bout of, uh, you know, of chemo. And God, in the chemo, did exactly what it was supposed to do. And it killed all of those cancer cells within Darren. Whenever it killed those cancer cells, they exploded. And they produced three chemicals that then went into Darren's kidneys and plugged them up. And then God caused Darren to get sick so that Darren could go to the hospital to have his kidneys cleansed out by the dialysis machine. And now his kidneys are functioning 100%. And Darren has been moved to another floor, and he's getting ready to get out. And this is a man that died twice. It's because God did what he said he was going to do. Wow. I didn't understand all that about those cells dying and what they did to the body. I'm like, they just normally just go out by themselves. But he had so much that his kidneys couldn't handle all of them at once. God knew that. So he provided a way to get it cleaned out. Wow. <laughs> wow. What a value. <laughs> because God Almighty has him in his hands. That's what we have. 
We have a God that knows exactly what we need and knows everything about us and knows all that we need when we need it and He is the only one that can provide it for us. We're the ones that's not smart enough to figure out that it's God only. We still have to work at it. We place absolutely too much value in ourselves and not enough in God. Jonah's prayer here and the thankfulness that we see should help us to proclaim the message of salvation. Let me get you here, okay? Because if you have not truly had salvation, you cannot explain it to someone else. How many of you have the, have the privilege to watch Evil Knievel Extreme? No, nobody? Just Peggy and I. Billy, you watched it? A little bit of it? He was riding an Indian motorcycle. Hey, hey, Marty, he was driving an Indian scout, wherever you are. He made um, Evil Knievel's three famous jumps that Evil Knievel didn't make, by the way, because he was riding a Harley Davidson, by the way. This guy was riding an Indian. So he jumped the cars, he jumped 16 buses, and he jumped the fountain in Vegas. Didn't crash. Where was I going with this? Bragging on the motorcycle? No, it had something to do with the... Oh, yeah, that's right. Now he can brag that he did what evil Knievel couldn't do. It's a message that he can proclaim. If salvation is not in your life, that is not a message that you can proclaim. If Jesus Christ has not came into your life and forgiven you of your sins and is living within you, you cannot spread that gospel. But you can't have it until you get to your end. Whenever you realize that you can no longer do this, there is no way that you can save yourself. That is the only time that salvation can truly come in. And salvation is Jesus Christ. See, whenever gates, doors, the grave's doors are closing in on you and you're saved from the depths and the fish comes at the right time. Aren't you glad that the fish listened? You know, Jonah didn't listen very well, but the fish did. God called the fish, the fish came and saved Jonah. Aren't you glad that Jesus listened? And that even though in the Garden of Gethsemane he prayed, if it's not your will, you know, he said, he said please take this away from me. I, I don't want to drink of this cup. He says, but if there's no other way, if there's absolutely no other way to do this, I will do what you need for me to do. Aren't you glad? Because without that, we would still be lost. And if you think this world that we live in is bad, what about a world that has no hope? has no joy, where there's no salvation. We're called to spread this gospel, but first we have to experience it. The thing about the gospel is, is that we can't have the gospel without the understanding that we're bad. Did you get that? The gospel means absolutely nothing until we understand that we are absolutely, totally lost. We are a deprived person. The gospel has no effect on Scripture tells us that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. There was not a person, there is not a person except for Jesus Christ that has ever lived a perfect life. We all 
need to ask Jesus Christ for forgiveness. We all need to confess that He is Lord, the Son of God, and that He died on the cross, and that He rose again three days later so that we could have a relationship with God Almighty. Until we do that, we cannot and we do not have the gospel to share with other people. Jonah tells us again and again and again and again and again, I'll tell it. He tells us that we have to get to our end before we can receive Jesus Christ. What's your end? Wayne spent seven and a half weeks in a coma. What's your end? Mine was a teenage boy sitting in the back of an auditorium in Glorietta, New Mexico, that felt God touched him on his shoulder and said, hey, you need me, not this young lady that you're sitting next to. You need me. Without me, you're nothing. Where's your end? If you haven't came there, this morning is a great opportunity. Jonah, in this prayer, shows us, tells us, there's absolutely nothing that we can do to save ourselves. It is only through God Almighty through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Let's stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. It's a value judgment. Is salvation more important to you than anything in this world? Have you came to the point in your life that you just throw up your hands and you say, I can't do it. God, I'm at my depths. And you notice whenever Peter cried out to Jesus as they were walking on the water, Jesus was right there to pick him up and to set him on solid ground. Jesus Christ is the only one. If you haven't made it to that point, but today is it, and you understand who Jesus Christ is, the altar is open for you. He's calling. He's saying, I am here to save you from the depths of this earth. I'm here to save you from Satan, the one that has came to kill, steal, and destroy. He says, I proved it because I gave you my only son as a way for you to be saved. The altar is open. It might be that you've already accepted Christ as your Savior. How do you like Jonah? But you've reneged. Something in this world has gotten your attention and has turned you away from God Almighty. And you're headed down the wrong path. Jesus is standing here with his arms wide open, wanting, ready to save you. To forgive you of your sins.
others. I'm not going to make Robbie pray, play long. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for this message that you have given to us, dear Lord. You know, God, as we look into our lives, dear Lord, I pray, God, that we would see the value of following you in everything that we do. And God, that we would cling to you. In Jesus' name, amen.